I am sick of all this strange weather. I mean, one day it's 60 degrees, and the next day it's 32 degrees, and we get snow. I mean, what is this, show business or snow business? <laughs> I snow what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're dead weight, Nate. Uh, it's time to discuss the Gamera films. Now, I, I know that we talked about the Gamera films before. We've alluded to it. But um, first of all, a little business. Uh Welcome to the program, everybody. You are listening to the Godzilla Podvore Hour. Myself uh, is known as Mike Kelly, and then there's Nate Bear here as well. If you don't know the drill by now, you know, just get with it. Anyways, I know before we've talked about, and I've alluded to on Facebook, that I really don't give a shit about the Gamera movies at all. They're not Godzilla movies. It's not even the same company. It's not the same universe. Uh, but... Nate and I were having a conversation not too long ago where it, it, uh, something came up. Uh, and that's the fact that uh, in the 1970s, Daieco, the uh, company that uh, produced the original Gamera films from the 60s uh, and early 70s, uh, went bankrupt uh, towards the late 70s and was bought by Kadokawa uh, Productions. Uh and they uh, made one Gamera film in the 80s that was uh, a clip show, mm. a very mm-hmm. poorly done mm-hmm. clip show. But in the 90s, they decided to uh, get with the whole gritty reboot uh, deal and made three uh, reboots of Gamera, which were distributed by Toho Company Limited, which means technically these are Toho films. Uh yeah, I'm just going to say that. There you go. There you go. Bingo. Bingo. So, for you know. those of you listening, what that means is we're going to talk about them on the show now because they're kaiju movies distributed by Toho. Exactly. So, fuck you. If you have any, <laughs> we're you getting know, in on a technicality. If you, get, if you get, have any issues with this technicality, just know I made no success in uh, business classes at all. Okay. Um, you know. Uh, if, if I had, I would not be on this podcast right now. I would be diving into, uh, you know, gold coins. A la uh, Scrooge Do- McDuck. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but that's not the case. Right. So it is a bit of a technicality, but again, technically, the Gamma Trilogy, 1995's uh, Gamma Guardian of the Universe... 1996's Gamera 2, Attack of Legion, and 1999's Gamera, Revenge of Iris are all distributed by Toho, so we are going to talk about them now on the show. Those are the technical reasons why we're going to talk about them on the show. Now, the personal reasons are, is that they are really, really good kaiju movies, and yes. it's it's weird, uh, the discrepancy uh, in the... Uh, the rise of quality in the Gamera series. Because here's here's the thing. Gamera starts off in 1965, okay? Terrible. Terrible, yeah. Gamera the Giant Monster, I think, is what one of the names it was released as. And the Gamera movies, you know, just shoestring budget. The costumes and, and the suits are just laughably bad, like insanely unrealistic. You know, the sets are a joke. 
you know, it's basically if you had never seen a Godzilla movie, you could watch one of the Gamera movies, Mm -hmm. you know, and be like, oh, well, I guess this is a pretty good try. Or, you know, if there's a bunch of kids sneak into the studio and make these or whatever for, you know, summer art project or something, this, you know, this isn't bad or whatever. But when you, like, if you've ever seen a Godzilla movie, it's just like... You know, you have no choice but to they, just like pat the guy in the head and be like, "That's a nice try, Billy." You know, I like, mean, like it's just you know, like it's not like you know Gorgo or even the Japanese ripoff of Gorgo. Gor- Gappa. Gorgo uh, is a masterpiece <laughs> compared to like Gorgo is a solid kaiju movie. Yeah. Okay, uh, the, the same cannot be said for any installment in the Gamma series up until uh, 1995s. Where they uh, yeah, decide to get universe. rid of that stupid, you know, friend of children bullshit. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, uh, and, and decide to just, you know, have monsters fight. Yeah. Uh, the the Gamma series is interesting because, like, to me, when when you're talking about the Godzilla films, and again, this is like still sort of covering the Showa era because we're not going to do individual episodes on any of the Showa Gamras. That's never no, that's no. never going to happen. No. Okay. Uh, so just kind of wanted to talk about them again a little bit right now um just for sort of the final thought on them and that is that like the godzilla movies when you're comparing godzilla versus like the gamma movies and again the showa ones to me it's always like it's a bit of a like street fighter 2 versus mortal Kombat type thing (laughs) like street fighter 2 you have refinements. It's a very polished fighting system. You've got the artistry and the character design and, like, a very, very deep fighting system. And, you know, you, you can really get into get into the nitty-gritty on it and just appreciate it for the art, artist, art, artistic, you know, merits mm-hmm. and, and the, the obvious amount of effort that went in and thought that went into the design of it or mm-hmm. whatever. Whereas Mortal Kombat, especially like Mortal Kombat 1, the fighting system is duck and uppercut the person four times, <laughs> and then you win, or sweep them, and uh, and it's it's a very, very simple system, but for what it makes, for what it lacks in originality, and, you know, the polish, it makes up for in um, extreme violence. <laughs> extreme violence, it's sort of this weird pandering to the audience. And that, I think that's the weird thing about the Gamera movies, the Showa Gamera movies, yeah. uh, much more violent. They are extremely Godzilla. violent. And, uh, and like, and right from the get go, you know, monsters are tearing out all the monsters throats and there's just gushers of, of geysers of, of like green and purple and whatever, very rarely red, but like yeah. blood, there's like a lot of blood. Gamera gets injured a lot, and it's it's very... Bleeds profusely. And they're, they're, they're like terrible injuries. He gets like stuff, you know, appendages yeah. impaled. He gets things cut, uh, you know, like yeah. deep cuts. He gets his shell all cut up. His you eyeball know. cut. He, yeah, he gets you know, like people get stuff ripped off. It's right. it's it's much more like... Grotesque. Grotesque. Like, but it's aimed at children. But yeah, it's aimed it's specifically also, yeah. for children. Like Godzilla was never... No, I, I can't say never. Um, but... There was a little bit more maturity uh, in in the production. No. It was aimed for a slightly mature audience. Right. Slightly mature themes, implications, yada, yada, yada. Gamera was just 
children. Your children. main characters are children. These right. are, you know, like it would be like watching five episode ones. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, that, that's what it was going for. <laughs> you know, children in peril, doing things. They got a giant monster buddy right. uh, who's a turtle that can fly, breathe fire, has big tusks because, yeah. you know, tusks that that was in. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the Showa Gamera movies are this bizarre mix of, like, children running around and being like, Gamera! You know, and just, like, they love him and, like, you know, he's their best friend and he saves them all the time. And then Gamera essentially performing grotesque fatalities yeah. on his his opponents that are all, like, you know, like... And, like, the design of the monsters is just so simple. Like, yes. like in Godzilla, you get, like, you know, Ghidra, or you get, like, King Caesar, or, like, Jet Jaguar, or, like, these fully formed, like, ideas, or whatever. And, like, the Gamera opponents are just, like, the guy with the knife head. The guy with the knife <laughs> the guy, head. He's, like, a dinosaur with a giant knife head. You yeah, know? and then there's the pterodactyl that may be a bat that drinks blood. Yeah, It's yeah. like, eh. Like, yeah, Gyrus who looks like um, a pterodactyl that had, like, an anvil dropped on his head. Yes. So, you get, like, the top of his yeah. head is flattened, like, in a Warner Basically, Brothers cartoon. Basically, yeah, it's something you'd see, like, in Animaniacs. Like, right, this yeah, is, exactly. like, that, that like, that if, level. had they had not, had I had not invented this, the Animaniacs would have. Like, that's the type of, like, character it is. The monster footage and composition and execution of the kaiju battle from Pee-wee's Big Adventure is more convincing Mm-hmm. anything in the camera movies i mean i okay full disclosure there are like one or two camera movements in like uh gamma versus barugan where there was like maybe one or two crew members who wasn't fully on board with just like oh no don't try at all yeah. you know don't like stop you know don't like you know what do you what do you do why why is there like are you building you're attempting to build suspense with this sequence <laughs> you're doing a little push in on uh no no you don't you don't have to do any of that just like load up a full pack <laughs> of film you know Put on, put some light on there or whatever, and just let the guys fight a little yeah. bit until they fall, both fall over, which will probably be about forty seconds, and then that's it, and we'll cut. You know. Yeah, I mean, Roger Corman puts more money in his movies, and Roger Corman, you know, doesn't like spending money at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there was like one Gamera movie a year until like nineteen seventy one. Then they took a nine year break and came back with the uh, Gamera the clip show. Gamera Super Monster, which <laughs> is, uh, to my knowledge, I could be wrong. I probably am wrong. With okay, probably with the exception of some like, uh you know, was Ultraman movies that came out in the eighties, which I I don't really follow that at all. But, like, I think it's the only kaiju movie that came out between 1975 and 1985. Mm. So, for me, it's interesting to see, just for looking at Tokyo in that, like, transitional period where it's, like, it's moving away from, like, the smaller buildings. And, like, you can actually see in Gamma Super Monster, they're building, like, the cranes and yeah. they're, like, building those super skyscrapers. Reaganomics is working. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You can see, like, that building. It's, like, right halfway in that transition point. Um... So that's interesting, um, but yeah, Gamera. If you can, if you can track down a copy of Gamera Super Monster anywhere, watch it because it's basically it, it it 
it has all the highlights of all the fights from all the Gamera movies, and you don't have to watch any of the actual plots from any of those movies. And the plot that you do get involves three super women, quote unquote, space women, yeah. who enjoy primarily sitting around a small, well furnished apartment, and then alternately hiding in a small shoebox where they shrink to the size of like little, you know, like the the bar borrowers. Mm-hmm. Or switching into their outfits, which they are then like they switch from their their regular clothes into their super outfits. Uh, we're not for like saying, two minutes, yeah. we're, we're, or like less than that. Like they, they immediately switch back into their day clothes. So like there's no reason at all why they change. We're, we're not saying that uh, the creators of this movie were high, mentally ill, uh, intoxicated. Uh, we're just saying they didn't have any money. Uh, <laughs> they lost all their money at a pachinko bar. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Gamera Super Monster, sweet Jesus. Um, so yeah, and that, that was the, that was the capper of, uh, the, the, the Showa, uh, Gamera films was, was, was Gamera Super Monster. So it had been 15 years, 15 years, uh, since there had been a Gamera movie. And at that point, I don't think you could say there'd ever had been a successful or, or well-made Gamera film. Yeah. Um, and... So the 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 expectations were not through the roof. It wasn't like when they were making the return of Godzilla where it was like, "Oh, Godzilla's coming back and it's going to be better than ever." And so Dai Studios mm-hmm. they hired this director Kenko to come in and they say, "You know what? Just uh just do whatever you want." You know. And that turned out to be the best idea they had had since Going into bankruptcy. Um, uh, Kenko, if you recall our episode on Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, All Monsters, Bukaki, I'm sorry, All Out Attack, um, uh, he was the director of that. And, uh, you know, he, he did a decent job of that. And uh, we can see uh, parallels in his technique between uh, these three films and uh, that film. Yeah. Um, he did a pretty good job. Uh, I think in that episode, I compared him to like, uh, you know, late '80s, early '90s John Woo uh, yeah. in his technique. You know, use of wipes, uh, still shots. Um, you know, the push-ins, stuff like that. He Char- just... Character moments that in other films, and especially other kaiju films, feel very flat. He pulls yeah. off. And uh, and not afraid to use different sort of framings and shadows and mm-hmm. things and and, and not, it's not all this stale yeah. sort of uh, just like bland like yeah. <laughs> you know you yeah. put it on to fall asleep to it yeah type stuff it's it's made to be interesting yeah. it's energizing mm-hmm. uh, you know and that I think is like what like the good monster movies of the past had you know the original yeah. Godzilla very intense very dark yeah you know this kind of takes us to uh that kind of place but you know it's fun and we don't have to think about you know atomic metaphors we just get to see monsters beat the shit out of each other and uh lots of uh what spewing viscous discharge yeah uh before we get into like the individual movies I just wanted to say that like um like to to continue on with the comparison to like the Godzilla movies. Okay, so obviously the Godzilla movies completely destroy the Gamera movies uh, from the Showa 
series. Like yeah. the original series, there's no contest. Even no. the even the worst Godzilla movie is like a thousand times better. Yeah. Godzilla than, versus Hedora looks like well crafted, thought out, and entertaining mm. compared to all the Gamera <laughs> films. Like <laughs> I mean Godzilla versus Hedora was well crafted. Yeah. I don't I'm not sure. Are you implying that Godzilla vs. Adora isn't good now? Well, uh, interesting. I, I, trying to make me lose face on. I mean, I just think it's. A free podcast, I, I would have compared it to maybe Godzilla vs. Gigan. Okay. Or Godzilla vs. Megalon. Like Godzilla vs. Megalon makes a lot is more a sense. shit show, <laughs> as we have discussed thoroughly. Even, but like even that, way better. Yeah. Now you jump to the nineties. Mm-hmm. Okay, the the Heisei series. Okay. Uh, actually, Mike, it's pronounced. Hess Gas Station. Hess Gas Station. Yeah. They've got great deals there. <laughs> that may be a regional joke. I don't know how much Hess is distributed throughout the country, but the point <laughs> is, uh, yes, the, the the films from both series during the 1990s, you have a, a swap, as, yes. as it were. Whereas the Godzilla movies, since they had so many great films... Uh, in the 60s and 70s, that they go into full-on rest-on-your-laurels <laughs> mode uh, during the 90s, whereas the Gamera films are just like, they sort of do a sneak attack where it's like, oh, Gamera's shit? Okay, yeah, we'll just... Uh, Make uh, it better. Yeah, well, you know, they, they've been... Exactly. They've been, like, licking their wounds for, like, 15 years and just sort of like, eh, all right, no one's expecting anything. Uh, boom, Guardian of the Universe. Oh, yeah, yeah, you like that? How about Attack of Legion? You know, one of the yeah. best kaiju movies ever made, yeah. you know? And then Revenge of Iris, maybe a little bit off track in that one. We'll go it had that a little bit. It had heart. And, you know. And, and maybe went too, too much far. overcorrected. Went full gamma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's, there to me... I would watch uh, one of one of the Gamera movies from the Millennium Trilogy. Uh, again, that's Guardian of the Universe, Guardian of the Universe, Attack of Legion, Revenge of Iris, uh, any day of the week over anything that any Godzilla movie made after 1985, pretty much through against Mechagodzilla in like 2002, yeah, or 2003, like. And even those movies, it's it's a toss up. Yeah. Um. So like they're that good. Yeah. And and, uh, and just really effective and f- fun and engaging. Yeah. And, and like it doesn't make sense that they're gamma movies. Yeah. <laughs> you watch it, you're like, why are gamma movies this good? You know, because everything that the previous films taught you is just to like, yeah. You know, look down at the floor and shake your head and expect the worst. But mm-hmm. uh, instead, you get uh, you know some of the best. So in 1995, a very, very interesting year. Our mind was a terrible thing to waste. That was the slogan, but now it's 95 and it's Don't Forget the Trojan. <laughs> that was uh, from the rap star Coolio from his uh, song Too Hot. Uh, but uh, anyways, I just wanted to well, you know, talk about Coolio again. 
Uh, Go for it, Nate. Well, speaking of too hot, uh, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, also made its uh, debut, uh, produced by Dae and uh, that other company, but distributed by Toho Company Limited. Ching, ching. There we go. Anyways. Uh, so, uh, yeah. point to new episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. Very interesting movie. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Gamera fights one of his former, uh, minions from the Gamera Showa series, uh, Gauss, who was in a film, uh, Gamera versus Gauss, uh, also had a brief cameo in the film Gamera versus, uh, Guruan. Where uh, the monster Gruon, who has like a big uh, knife yeah, face. Knife head. Uh, very, very, very sensual knife head. I just figured Anyways. something out. The Gamera villains are a lot like the Dick Tracy villains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all like, hey, it's, it's Anvil Head. Okay. Anvil Head. You and Knife Head. And uh, gun face, go over there, take care of, you know, screwdriver neck or whatever. It's all just like... So, so, so Knifehead uh, had to fight uh, another monster, and uh, in typical uh, Gamera movie uh, uh, style, style uh, they didn't have money. So they took uh, the Gauss um, suit from the uh, Gamma vs. Gauss and painted it silver and made it a space Gauss, uh, which uh, Giruan, in also in a typical uh, Gamma style, uh, like completely like destroyed, like uh, dismantled, yeah. like killed, yeah, like yeah. chopped him up. It's yeah. like you know, deliciously violent. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like that. That is like probably the highlight of the whole movie is just seeing like another monster destroy a space Gauss. Yeah. Anyways, so Gauss is kind of, I guess maybe you can compare him to, like, King Ghidorah of the Gamera series, you know, just the the one that everyone, he, he like, loves to hate. He keeps turning up. He keeps turning up. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, um, I guess we start off in, like, the Philippine Sea, right. and uh, they they wash up against this, like, uh, they're, they're looking for, like, a nuclear vessel. Or, or like, it's a, well, it's a tanker with plutonium. Plutonium. And it, it hits a what they believe is a floating atoll. Yeah. But a giant turtle shell turtle? shaped atoll. <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah, and that's juxtaposed to the fact that in this village, uh, there have been reports of like big birds, and uh, those big birds uh, wiped out an entire village. Yeah. Um, and they left a sensual amount of guano. Yeah. Uh, pure white guano. There's a scene uh, <laughs> where one of the one of the reoccurring uh, characters uh, who's a um, sort of a – she's a paleontologist or, or something. Her uh, name or, is ornithologist, Mayumi. something yeah. – yeah, something with birds. Something with birds. Her name is Mayumi. She's in um, one and three. Um, but anyways, she, they recreate the, the, well, that is one big pile of shit. Yeah. Uh, scene from Jurassic Park, like exactly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it, Jurassic Park, this is 1995, so Jurassic Park was only two years old. So mm. it's, it's a tad shameless how they, how they rip it off, but it's her and, uh, Inspector, uh, Asako, uh, played by Yuki Juro, uh, Haturu, who is also in all three films. 
Um, although the uh, Wikipedia page would uh, lead you to believe that he is not in part two. He actually is in part two. He's not an inspector in that one, but he is actually a, um, a security guard at, at the, the beer. Sapo- no, was it Sapporo or Kirinichi Bond? I think it was Kirinichi Bond. Kirinichi Bond, uh, but in Sapporo, Japan. In, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways. Not, not to confuse two beers. <laughs> that Yeah, but anyways, this inspector guy, this uh, Aseko guy is uh, – He's the first person. He's always amongst the first people to to spot whatever new opponent Gamera <laughs> must fight in each movie. So it's sort of a running gag. And yeah. he's, he's a main character in, in the first film. And he's really just a cameo in the second film. And then in the third and film, he he's... He kind of comes back. Yeah. But he's not doing too well. Nah, he's he's a little bummed out, yeah, you might he's, say. He, yeah, he's, he's bummed out. Three. <laughs> <laughs> he's bummed out and he's bummed out because he's bummed out because he's a bum. Gauss kills a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say that. Kills a dog. And Gauss has been uh, made to look uh, interesting. Like, it looks a lot more realistic than the original Gauss. At the same time, they gave him these beautiful uh, cookie monster eyeballs. Yeah. You know, that just, like, bounce around, like, everywhere. So, like, <laughs> Gauss looks not only realistic, but batshit fucking insane. Yeah, correct. Uh, and, and they kept the most iconic part of the design, which is the flat, again... Like if if you dropped a anvil on Rodan's head, yeah. okay, and it just sort of like and it, yeah, and you you assumed it was like Looney Tunes level physics, and it just yeah. flattened the top of his head at like a perfect flat surface. That's what Gauss. That that like. sounds like a joke that would be put in like uh, an episode of Family Guy, like you know. They, yeah. they do, like, some obscure shit like that. They'd show Rodan, then an anvil fall, then suddenly it's Gauss, and the Peter would say something, like, dumb. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Probably that. Nah. <laughs> nah. Nathan, face it, our nerd culture is never going to... It's because it's, ne- it's, col- never, it's never going to get to the level of penetration where it, it, it will ever be referenced in that amount of detail no. on, on a show like Family Guy. Uh. So Gauss looks as realistic as he can, as uh, his design will allow. Yeah. Um, oh, and like while uh, people are exploring this uh, like atoll, uh, this turtle-shaped atoll, uh, they they find this like hook uh, that can easily be turned into a necklace. Oh yeah, uh, a gem, a gem, like a a yin yang. So, so it looks like a yin like symbol without the uh, yang without the yang uh it's it's about the size of a palm they find a lot of them Mm -hmm. they find like you know they show like just in that small area they pick up like 10 yeah it makes you wonder what they did with the other stones because they there was about 10 of them or like and then again they just did just the most cursory sweep of that area this it's on gamera's shell like it's a team like on top of this giant, which they still think is an atoll at this point. Yeah. Just a floating turtle-shaped atoll. Yeah. And um, they... So, yeah. And, and this, this one of these stones is given to uh, a young girl named Asagi. I forget why. I think maybe just as a present or something. As she's, like, the daughter of, like, the scientist yeah. or something. Um, uh, but this, this stone becomes Asagi's sort of psychic link... Uh, to Gamera for the next film and a half in the series, or, yeah. you know, basically two films. Uh, but so, and Asagi, you know, is a cool character, and, and 
you know... She's better than, uh, what's her name, the psychic from the High Size Miki, series. Miki. Miki, because Miki is well, this, useless. This applies uh, <laughs> to every character in these movies. that They don't have the dead-eye stare. Where yeah. they're just like, huh? Where they just they sort of patiently wait for things to happen, and they're just quietly, politely sitting around, kind of re-going over the information that they have attained as, as you know, in a way to not make trouble, you know? No. Uh-huh. The characters in these movies are... They're not in... Huh? Mode. <laughs> they are in... Like, they're actively doing things! They're like... Yeah. They're like... They're like walking or like running in every scene, you know? Making they're, schedules. Uh, all right. <laughs> they're, you know... They're impacting the plot in a proactive way. Yeah. Right? Like, everything is moving forward. Like... There's no there's no downtime. Yeah. They, they, at no point in these films are you just like, oh, Jesus, yeah. how... You know, and like, you you're know. looking at your watch. Because the, the stuff yeah. that's happening is interesting. So, like, they find the Gauss. The Gauss, I think, attacks, like, they... they he wipes out a couple of villages or yeah. whatever. Immediately. Immediately, This yeah. is not like, you know, some slow build-up or some, like, you know... Deadpan, like when we're introduced to Fire Rodan and Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2, where it just like kind of shows up. Just like, okay, I'm here yeah. now. You know, this is like, there's like enough suspense, but it's done like quickly. It's it's not... The cool thing know. that I like about it is like, the Gauss are clearly murdering people and clearly yeah. eating people and dogs. Yes. The little dog gets eaten. It's very sad. Um, and yet... Um, Mayumi and Inspector Asako, they go to this meeting with these high-ranking like government officials or whatever, and they're like, we do not want to kill the Gauss. We want to capture them and study them and possibly use them as weapons. You and know? this is the polar opposite of the Godzilla films, right. where it's... The government wants to destroy the big monsters, and the scientists are like, oh, we, we need to study this, you know, th- think of what, you know, yeah. you know we could Damn learn you, from yeah, this. Self-defense yeah, self-defense force where, only is where this interested is, yeah. in, like, saving, or, like, you know, protecting Japan, but we could learn so much from these yeah. creatures, whereas this film... It's just like, no, we want to capture these things, we want to use them yeah. for, uh, you know, sick, sick well, yeah, yeah, what the, what the guy know. says is, like, there's, so, there's only three of them left, so, yeah. like, think of how much they'll be worth. Like, yeah. they could sell them to, like, a private Gauss collector or I something. Guess, you know. Which is completely ludicrous. And the scientist is like, no, nope. we, ha- we have to make the species extinct. We yeah. have to blow them up. <laughs> yeah. You know, because their, their chromosomes are such that they can produce asexually, yeah. reproduce asexually, and, like, they'll take over the planet or whatever. And the government people are like, no, we, we can just capture them in this, in this baseball stadium, yeah. and it'll be fine. So... They try to capture him in this a baseball stadium, luring them in with the lights, because it was noticed before that the lights like distract them or stun them or whatever. Blah blah blah, bling boom bling blah. <laughs> they capture them. They capture like two of them in the baseball stadium. One of them gets away. One of them gets away. And that one is, I believe, immediately destroyed by uh, the atoll. Uh, the atoll <laughs> comes to life. Guess what? It's not an atoll. It's Gamera. He's a giant turtle with attitude. Okay. Tusks. And, and tusks. Uh, and he comes to the city that they are in, which I think is Osaka. I forget. Whatever. What, it's, what, a, it's, it's, a, it's a Japanese city. It's got right? a tower. Right. It's, ta- it's got a giant baseball stadium in there it. All go. right. <laughs> and... Um, 
Yes. So Gamera is here, and he immediately starts, you know, with the collateral damage business. And, yeah, and, lots and, of collateral. Lots damage. of collateral damage, and this is a through line throughout the movies. Uh, you know, essentially the rest of the plot is at one point the Gauss and Gamera are fighting, and uh, Gamera like just shoots his fire. He shoots fireballs. It's not a ray like Godzilla. It's yeah. not the, the atomic breath ray. Yeah, this is actually fire. Fire, fire yeah. balls. And he shoots one at Gauss, he misses, and takes out Tokyo Tower. So all the communications are down in Tokyo, which actually comes back into play in part two uh, Mm -hmm. very smartly. It's another thing about these movies is, like, things that happen in one movie with, like, Gamera and one monster impact the battle in another movie with another monster because, like, anyways. Whereas in the High Size series... Things kind of maybe yeah not yeah they really. forget things <laughs> and you know it's a classic thing in Godzilla movies things are rebuilt instantly yeah like the next year you know Tokyo is decimated the next year it's fine yeah. uh, whereas this one Gauss uh, you know the God sorry <laughs> Gamera destroys Tokyo Tower again admittedly trying to take out Gauss and he just missed but then Gauss later on uh, he like defeats Gamera stuns him or whatever subdues him. And uh, and then makes its nest in the the remains of Tokyo Tower, yeah, or whatever. And you know, eventually Gamera comes back, and Asagi, you know, whatever. She uses finds the power her of heart. Strength. Yeah, uh, she uses the power of heart, <laughs> and um, and Gamera comes back to life and blows the living fuck out of Gauss. Yeah. <laughs> And, and destroys his, his his eggs. Yeah, destroys his eggs and just blows him up. And the explosion, I you're watching this and you're like, this seems sort of dangerous. Like, I hope they filmed this outside. Yeah. Because if they didn't film it outside, the fireballs looked like they were big enough to scorch and set the ceiling of, of the studio on fire. Yeah. Because it's like the fireballs actually go out of, like, the top of the frame. They're mm-hmm. so big. So, like, I think it had to have been filmed outside. But anyways, Gamera triumphs over Gauss. And there's, you know, the the way Gamera sort of operates is he's just like, he is defending the Earth. He's defending the Earth, and in a sort of vague, more vague way, like, children. He doesn't really care for, like, adult humans, mm-hmm. though. Like, he, he doesn't care for them, and he doesn't really care about them. Like, he is... He's sort of disinterested in him, and, like, collateral damage is no problem at all. He's got no conflict at all with collateral damage. Yeah. And this, as a theme, kind of gets more and more pronounced as as the series goes on. So that's uh, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. Again, really great. Yeah. Uh, Diamond Cut. Yeah, came out of nowhere. No downtime. Very, like, the pacing is great. The the acting is fantastic. like funny and smart and like you're you not know, bored with you're it. You're not bored with it at all. People get their comeuppance and stuff. Great. Um, there is some room for improvement though, and that is where we go to Gamma Two: Attack of Legion, which is like, you know, we said I think War of the Gargantua was like was like the perfection of like kaiju film yeah. craft back in the '60s. Yeah. Well, this like Attack of Legion is as close as you get to like the perfecting of the kaiju film technique in the '90s. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in the 2000s, there's there's some other films, but there's like, uh, just the right amount of CGI, the yeah. right amount of practical exactly. effects, yes. the right amount of good acting, good camera work. Um, I felt like they took 
a little liberty with the length, but, you know, not... It, it wasn't as tight as Gamma Garden of the Universe, but at the same time, like, wasn't bored. You know, you just felt like a few things could have been cut out. Let's let's talk about the design of Legion. I, 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 yeah. I, I, first of all, yes, I agree that there's a there's just a couple of things yeah. that could use a little... You can start to see the bloat uh, <laughs> sneaking in. And this is Kanko directing this. And it's the same guy doing the music. It's the same guy doing producing all yeah. the same special effects team. So it really is sort of like you had at Toho in the 60s when they had like that team that just came and did movie after movie yeah. after movie. So what you get is a sort of... Everyone's on board, and there's obviously a shorthand going on with the crew, and like there's a unity of vision. Yeah. So you get a more solid like product. Yeah. Uh, because no one has to waste time talking to be like, well, okay, this is what this movie's gonna be like, because they yeah. already know because they just did two of them. And you know? Tomiyuki Tanaka is not producing it with right. us, you know billions of dollars that he can just you know throw every which way. Right, right. You know, I'm rich. So they still have to be smart. <laughs> yeah. You know? They still have to be creative. And and uh, so when you when it comes to creative, the the design of the kaiju legion is just fantastic, yeah. and I just I just just love it yeah. because it's so gonzo and it's so out there. It's it's like, uh, it's like if the Fortress of Solitude from the Richard Donner Superman films became sentient and started <laughs> attacking people. That's what it looks like. It's got like fifteen like yeah. legs, and it's all like. It's just it's it's totally not shaped like an animal at all, and and, uh, uh, and you know every good action film I think or most of the good films like will have a biblical quote. Yeah, uh, can't think of any offhand, but you know normally when there's a biblical quote, uh, uh, it's going to be pretty good. And this has like one of the best from I guess the New Testament uh, for our uh, Christian listeners. It's from uh, Mark five nine. Uh, then Jesus asked him, "What?" is your name and he said to him my name is legion for we are many this is a metaphor for the fact that legion is many like these bug-like aliens right so it's like a legion right. a swarm of uh these beings that also have a like large like i guess uh queen bee like yeah um yeah and they um they feed off of glass Yes, and they they make these pot. They come from meteors. Yeah, they're so they're alien invaders, and they turn glass into like phosphorus or something. It, they like uh, was it uh, not celluloid? Uh, uh, silicon. Yeah, which is found in glass. Yeah, and uh, sand, uh, the Earth's crust. You know, we have lots and lots of silicon. Yeah, so uh, their job is to harvest that. Uh, for their own, you know, sick, disgusting needs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they they will, you know, do whatever they can, including, you know, killing uh, public transportation users. Yeah, uh, and pachinko that. bar users. Pachinko bar users. So uh, remember, if you take public transportation, if you do pachinko bar, you will die. Yeah, that's um, what they're saying. Maybe... If One of the few times they actually reference uh, Japan's crippling gambling addiction in a kaiju <laughs> movie is uh, the Legion make their second nest um, in the city of Sandai. Yeah. Uh, 
at a pachinko bar mm-hmm. is, is where they first manifest. And so, um, again, to go over what a pachinko bar is, essentially how it works is this. Um, in Japan, gambling is illegal, okay? But they have these things called pachinko bars. And basically, there's, the, there's these machines that use these little metal balls, and it's a lot like the game Plinko on The Price is Right. You just sort of fire the balls in, and you try to guide them into the correct crevasses, as it were. And if you do a certain combination at a certain time, then you win uh, tokens or whatever. Now, you can take your winnings... And immediately cash them in for uh, shit prizes that they have on the premises, okay? Like like little transistor radios or like, you know, beach towels or whatever the fuck. Just garbage. Like even things that aren't really worth that much. Then what you do is you go next door to the pachinko bar and there'll be this place where you can trade it like pawn shops. Where you can just trade in the th- prizes that you just won like five minutes ago. Take them to this place next to the Pachinko Bar, which is really just another part of the Pachinko Bar, and uh, trade it in that the thing, that transistor radio, whatever, for cash. So now you have you have cash, where so you've essentially it's just jumping through a series of loopholes. Mm. I I'm sorry, this has nothing to do with kaiju movies, but it's just so insane that I feel like it does bear repeating. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and this is like, there's one of these in every major city, at least, I mean, in every town and in every major city, there's hundreds of them, these operations set up. But anyways, this is where this Legion creature, which looks like a giant Swiss army knife. Yeah. Like, or like, <laughs> like, um, uh, you know, when it's in its, it, cause it's got two forms when it's in its little bug form or mm-hmm. whatever, it's like man size yeah. bug form. For the life of me, I can't figure out how they fit an actor in there to do it because it's like it's standing at an impossible angle. It looks like maybe Michael it was more Jackson's animatronics. So yeah. like it was like different sections and just like with editing, it looks like it's one big creature. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the fights between Gamma and Legion um, are, are fantastic. There's the first fight where uh, Gamera is, is overcome by uh, a horde of these bugs. And it, yeah. it looks like uh, the, the monster uh, that's described at the end of Stephen King's The Mist, mm-hmm. uh, where it's this giant creature, but if you really look at it, it's just teeming with like all these other things like crawling over it. And, they, and it's totally, they do it, one of the shots, it's, it's totally CG. And the CG has not aged well yeah uh which is i think the the advantage of this one over revenge of isis because isis sorry iris iris uh anus one of the yeah revenge of iris they go completely over the top with yeah. their reliance and confidence in the yeah. cg and that's sort of that film's undoing but um as it was with star trek enterprise yeah the the, the fight with well you mean the last episode of enterprise with fat Riker <laughs> going through the holodeck uh Sorry, Fat Riker. At, <laughs> at, at, at Fat Riker on Twitter. Um, it's okay. Jonathan Franks is a great guy. Um, anyways, yes. The... Uh, <laughs> um, Enterprise did not have to go on for five seasons. What the fuck were they thinking? Uh, sorry, it's four seasons. Um, whatever. It's, un- it's not necessary. Fat Riker. Anyways... Um, so right, that was that's the first fight between Gamera and Legion, fight. and then um, so Gamera, as uh, you know, I guess more traditional 
uh, you know, Gamma's story structure becomes incapacitated and, you know, can't do anything. So humanity... Right, I, I should say that Gamma has jets. Yeah. On, he can, like, retract any of his limbs and they become portholes for, like, jet engines. Yeah. That have blue flames that come out. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And he spins. Yeah. Too. So that's, that's and, pretty... And it's implied in the first one that he's probably... He's a machine. Yeah, he's, he's like a machine. He's Yeah. He's a machine built by, like, Moo. Or something. Yeah, I think they mentioned Moo a couple. They mentioned of times. like Moo and Atlantis. They're not really sure which. Whereas in the Showa series, he's just he was awakened by a nuclear bomb yeah. in the Antarctic. Yeah, he, he it, might he might he might be a robot. He could just yeah. be farting it, to in the Showa series. It's amazing because it's just like he is an animal. He's like a you know he's an he's a he's an animal that just has jet you're an animal. Oh, don't be afraid to use your nails, boys. Um. <laughs> Totally off topic. The point is, in show a series, it didn't make any fucking sense. At least they make an attempt here to uh, to like explain. He's like yeah. he's a he's a machine that he's the machi- Moo people built. He's more machine now than turtle. Yes, there is no conflict. <laughs> um. So, anyways, yes, uh, Gamera does the spin maneuver, and he 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 retreats, and he shakes. Like a dog shaking fleas off of him, he shakes all these little legion guys off of him, and their corpses scatter, right? And, you know, hundreds of miles beachfront, right? right. Uh, and anyway, so this pod thing is growing in Sendai, and people are evacuating, and they figure out that like it, it, its job is to explode for and, some reason, and and, and and germinate the seed. Like yeah, the seed will like. I guess shoot to some other place uh, I guess. on the world, and then more legion will start growing, like another yeah. meteorite or something. And they like have the balls to actually like destroy downtown what Sapporo, right? Well, Sendai. 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 What what happens is, um, so like they're evacuating Sendai, and Asagi, who is the girl from the first one, she is like coming back from a fishing trip with her friend, and um, so she's at an airport, and so somehow. This is where we see the full-on giant, you know, adult legion. Yeah, the, the like first the Queen time. Bee Legion. And the camera moves here are just some of the best ever yeah. in any kaiju movie. Like just the way it's covered and its reveal, to me, reminded me a lot of Godzilla coming out of the ground in uh, uh, Mothra versus Godzilla, mm-hmm. uh, where it's sort of shocking and it comes out of nowhere. And yeah. it's like you're like, like what? Yeah, you, you have to do like a double take, you know, and it's just like. It's great. Gamera comes in. Gamera and Legion start fighting. It's great stuff. Gamera gets his shit rocked. Uh, he, he gets he gets pretty messed up, and and Legion eventually uh, gets stunned or something, and like retreats by like burrowing under the ground very violently and very like spectacularly. Like everything is great. Like like every there's no op- opportunity for destruction wasted in any of these movies like every time one of these things like fires a bolt or whatever it's not just like a little pew or whatever and like one building sort of catches on fire like half the place gets nuked every time yeah. one of these guys like shoots a laser or whatever i mean it's like it's out of control yeah um but anyway so gamma sort of gets his shit rocked but he distracts legion long enough for asagi to get away uh including there's a, an amazing shot from asagi like from Above the helicopter. Yes. You, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, and it's just like, the the amazing thing is, is like, they had, because the, this had to have been done, like, in 
the studio. Right. They had to have been up a certain elevation to get this, you know, live action man in suit shot. Yeah, like a hundred feet in the air. Yeah. It still looks great. And like the fact that they get it, you know, from the helicopter's point of view. And you can and, see how much they're fucking up the airport, like runway. Yeah. You know, and and you know, and the fact is, like, not only does it look good, but it's actually you know, part of the plot. It's you part know, of the it's plot. not just you know, yeah. mindless filler. It's, it's in service of the story, yeah. and it's like you've never seen another shot like it in any other kaiju movie. Yeah. So, like, you know, and that happens a lot in in these movies. Um, they're actually trying new stuff. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, yeah, Legion makes its retreat. For reasons I can't remember, and then Gamera goes into downtown Sendai and uh, tries to fo- like, because Gamera understands that this giant pod is about to seed or, yeah. or blow up or whatever, and, and he's, he's trying and he to has stop he's it. having conflicts because like first like the girls in the helicopter, he's trying to save the helicopter from you know Queen Bee Legion, and then at the same time he knows, and we see this like purely visually. Right. That uh, in, in visuals only, in, the fact that Gamma also knows that the seed is going to explode, do something bad. Right. You know, so it's just like through like visuals, we see, we know exactly right. what's going on. We know Gamma's conflict. Right. He's trying to save the girl, defeat this guy, stop the bomb. Right. You know, and so he like runs after it and it explodes. Right. He's too late. Yeah, he he sort of knocks it down so it doesn't seed, but it still blows up. Or, like, it seeds, like, right into his face. (laughs) He, like, deflects it, but, like, it's it's sort of like, you know, in a wartime situation, someone jumps onto a grenade to, like, defuse it. So, like, it still takes out a eight-kilometer, like, uh, circumference. And at the time was, I think, the largest on-screen detonation in any kaiju movie. Yeah. Or if not the largest, certainly the most spectacular yeah. ever filmed. I mean, Gamera gets well seated. Yeah, Gamera is like it's it's big <laughs> enough that Gamera's like out of commission for like yeah. thirty minutes. <laughs> and they think he they assume he's dead. Because yeah. it's so He's just big. like Yeah. Yeah. It's it's essentially like they drop a nuclear or a nuclear bomb onto the middle of Sendai. I mean it's like total annihilation. Thousands and thousands of people dead whatever you know more collateral damage great stuff um so like then this is the one time that the film that uh, that i really noticed the the pacing sort of slowed down a little bit and that that's they have this sequence that i thought was really sort of redundant and not necessary at all where the military sort of like has a conference like yes we must defeat legion or whatever and then they like it becomes this sort of promotional video for, like, the Japanese Defense Force, where it's like, ha, yeah, so you're sticking around. This thing, Gamera couldn't even take out this thing, but now yeah. we're going to try and fight them because we're the Japanese Self-Defense Force, you know? It's just sort of like, okay, guys, you know, I don't... Yeah. We get it, you know? It's just like, there's world building, but this is, like, completely Yeah, because none of these people are characters this in the movie. This, isn't like, this like, has nothing to do with the plot. This isn't like Raid 2, right. where they're trying to expand upon more characters, more people that eventually, like, somehow connect to each other. Right. These are just, you know, people. Right, exactly. This is like if they had like spent an extra ten minutes with like Big's Darklighter before the assault on Death Star One, for you know, yeah, explaining uh, like his entire backstory, yeah, like him and and like another friend who is not Luke Skywalker, yeah, 
you know, drinking some blue milk, talking about their <laughs> strategies and why they're going to fight the Death Star. It's like, we, we fucking get it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we, we, had it, we were fully abreast of bad. the you, you guys good. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, so that's the one part where things start slipping. And unfortunately, as I said before, that bloat fully manifests itself in, in Revenge of Iris. But like, back on track after that, you know, Legion is attacking some place. They, the thing is, like, Gamera uh, shows back up because all the children hold, like, a vigil for him, and Asagi comes as well, and um, they they bring Gamera back to life. Gamera uh, refights Legion, tears off, like, its beak pieces or whatever. Yeah. It was really great. And um, they fight, and, and Gamera uh, eventually is forced to use its, like, super... Mana powered, like chest, chest beam, chest beam. Th- that up until now we had no clue Gamera even had yeah. any such device. Yeah, and this is the strongest argument yet that Gamera is actually like a, a doomsday machine built yeah. by Mu, yeah, or something. Because he's like he's got access to these different like things that we didn't even know about, and um, it's great when he's firing this thing too because his eyes are like rolling into the back of his head and. He's just like, he's like, oh, it's like Bruce Willis at the end of the fifth element. We're just like, <laughs> like, this is like taking a lot out of Gambra to yeah. shoot this thing yeah. at, uh, at, at Legion. But, uh, then, lot, kind of like when Fat Riker is on the John. Uh, well, there's a re- well, by the time you get to the last episode of Star Trek Enterprise where, where they are forced to bring in Fat Riker, Riker is so fat, he can no longer do the over the chair sit down leg thing that has become so popular on the internet so like it takes a lot out of them and and it takes a lot out of fat riker <laughs> this takes a lot out of uh gamera to to shoot this thing and uh, you know it's it's and legion is completely disintegrated and like super dead there's another side plot including many other characters where they uh lure the bug legions which are still around Onto some wires and yeah. they electrocute them on the wires. Or and like, they have Apache helicopters, yeah, like, they blow them up. Wires, also very uh, spectacular. We don't have enough time yeah. to talk about that. Just, they, they stop them, okay? They stop. Gamma good, Iris bad. Or Gamma, Gamma good, good, Legion bad. There now, we go. Now, uh, very fittingly, Asagi and her friend, who may be the sort of trying to court her as well, they are talking at the end of this movie, which a lot of this movie takes place during the winter time, which I thought was really cool to have a kaiju movie like in, obviously, with like a ton of snow. Yeah, and it's in Hokkaido, like yeah, the, yeah. the snow country. Hokkaido. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. At the end, Asagi's talking to her friend, and he's like... The friend's like, Gamera loves to protect us because of his turtle superpowers or whatever. And she's like, yes, well, Gamera's atta- uh, protecting the Earth. You know, Gamera's not a t- protecting us necessarily. So if we continue with pollution, deforestation, blah, 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 you know, who's to say someday Gamera will lose his patience with us and we will become his next enemy or whatever, you know, just like we better not stop fucking up or whatever. Yeah. And then it just, you know... Uh, pull back to a beautiful uh, shot of downtown uh, Hokkaido and, and the end. So it's like, that's where it leaves us with, with Attack of Legion. Now, before we move on to Revenge of Iris, um, I do want to say that Legion, definitely the highlight of the series, mm-hmm. and, and again, one of the best kaiju movies, in my opinion, uh, ever. Um, weird that it's a Gamera movie. Uh, like, I'm jealous that the, this wasn't a Godzilla movie, because I really... Yeah. You know, everyone's always talking about, like, ooh... 
you know, who would win in a fight, Godzilla or Gamera? The answer is it doesn't matter, and I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it matters whether the movie is yeah. well made, whether yes, I'm exactly. entertained. Okay, yes. it's, 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 it's just like it, it's like saying, well, who could. Uh, you know, you know who's going to win in a fight, Ryu yeah. or Liu Kang? Who gives a fuck? Yeah. You, you know, like it's like the question is: Am I satisfied? Right, right. Am I personally satisfied? Is this movie, uh, you know, uh, visually pleasing yeah, yeah. me is and aurally pleasing me? Yeah, you got to get those aurals in there. Yeah. So, like, Legion was was so unnecessarily well made that it actually won the uh, Nihon Sci-Fi uh, Tia Show Award. In Japan, which is the award for like science fiction literature, mm-hmm. or like the you know like the the Nebula Award here in the United States, like the like the thing that like reflects the great achievement that year in science fiction, and yeah. that was a huge deal because it was it was controversially uh, debated. Uh, it, I mean, it it sparked a, a debate uh, in the sci-fi community because a lot of people said that like if you're going to give this award to a kaiju movie uh they they said it's essentially signaled the death of japanese uh, science fiction literature that that like legion so that's you know and whether or not that debate you know is has merit to it or you know whether they should get that worked up over it um and the debate still rages on as to you know whether that should have been given or they should have but like that clues you in on how well this movie is made. And it was, I think, the perfect balance of, like, character and, like, monster action. And there's an insane amount of, of Gamera footage in this movie. Yeah. Which brings us to uh, Gamera 3, Revenge of Iris. Now, this is a full four years later. Yeah, so it's 1999. Uh um. We are now at the point where it seems as though CG is becoming old hat or uh, filmmakers are, are, are attempting things and manipulating things with greater gusto. Mm-hmm. And I think Ken- Kenko, unfortunately, fell sort of victim to a, a overconfidence in, in what he could achieve. And you remember in, you know, 98, uh, the American... <clears throat> Godzilla coming out with uh, this, right. you know, fully CG uh, schlock. Right. Uh, and I think at the time, people thought that CG was going to be the wave of the future, that it would never, ever get old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that we'd, you know, always look upon it as being uh, great. Um, that turned out to be false. And, uh, with Iris, like Godzilla 98, which I won't discuss further, but, you know, it definitely, like, looks dated. Yeah. Um, Um, there's something about, you know, man in a suit that can kind of feel timeless. Don't ask me why. It just, I feel like I'm watching something happen. Right. As opposed to watching, you know, an episode of Enterprise where there's, you know, a CGI alien where it would have been just as a easy Gorn. to... Yeah, yeah. Gorn. Yeah, yeah, CGI Gorn where they just could have put a, a man in a Gorn suit. Right. It would or have been they fine. could have put Jonathan Franks in the Gorn suit. <laughs> and there would be no unnecessary padding. Unnecessary, uh, because by the end of that series... Uh, you know, it was he, equally he, bloated. He was just as bloated as the Gorn. Uh, his skin had taken on a tepid green uh, color because of his constant diet of uh, cinnamon rolls <laughs> and entire uh, uncooked DiGiorno pizzas. 
Anyways, enough about Jonathan Frakes. Great guy. Great guy. Directed uh, First Contact. I love that movie. Anyways, the point is, uh, yes, Iris is just not as good as Attack of Legion. No. Sorry. It's still very good and maybe about on par with Guardians of the Universe, but for different reasons. How, how I break it down is Iris is like, it's a good movie? Yeah. But it's, it's not a very good kaiju movie, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, there's really only, I think, two fights between Gamera and Iris? Or it seems like there's only two scenes with it's Gamera. It's more building up Iris. Yeah. Iris is being built up, and Gamera is spending a lot of time fighting Gauss. Yeah. Because Gauss kind of makes a yeah, comeback. Com- comes back. You know... I'm, I'm making off the, the jerk-off motion right now because I know you all can see me. Uh, but that's how I feel. Um, it, yeah. it, so um, this, however, does deal, uh, at least subject matter-wise, uh, excuse me, it deals with uh, more uh, with a darker subject matter, yeah. and that is collateral damage. Yeah. Which, it's, you I know, would say it's one of the best-looking kaiju movies ever yeah. as far as, like, just it's shot beautifully. Yeah. You know, and like there's some some things, especially towards the end when when Iris is, is syncing up with the girl mm-hmm. who's controlling it, yeah. like the anti Asagi or whatever. Yeah, and that's like that good, stuff is great. Yeah. And parallels make good structure. So the fact that they took this and made it more from the perspective of a victim right. of Gamera, you know, because in all the movies it's just like, oh, Gamera's here to save us, Gamera's here to protect us. No, you just don't understand him. And the thing is, it's just like, no, I understand Gamera. Gamera killed my parents and my cat. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't give a fuck about Gamera. I hate Gamera. Right. Um, and, and this character has a very legitimate hatred of Gamera. And yeah. you can you can side with her. And, you know, Revenge of Iris does tackle the uh, the issue of collateral damage and the fact that, yes, people are getting killed every time these monsters do anything. Yeah. Lots of people are getting killed. Yeah. And every time Gamera shows up, he, Gamera shows up to fight the Gauss in, in downtown Tokyo. Yeah, and um, in the way they would have shot it previously, people, uh, you know... In fact, in the first movie, I don't really think they showed many people, like, running from Gamera yeah. when he went to get Gauss, yeah. except for, like... The army people. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's like every step he takes yeah, is they, affecting yeah, yeah. lives. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they really sort of almost fetishistically like go into like every movement that Gamera makes, every like counter, like when he takes a step or like moves, his, turns his body at all, he's knocking down stuff, and then they show like 20 people getting killed by like the rubble mm-hmm. that it produces or whatever. So it's really... And, and at the end of that first fight where, where Gamera, like, uh, blows up the Gauss and, like, you know, that explosion, like, takes out half of Tokyo or whatever. And then Gamera, like, goes away or whatever. The city is on fire. It's, like, halfway destroyed or whatever. And earlier in that scene, like, there's this little kid that's almost about to get killed by the Gauss. And then Gamera, like, you know, fights, starts fighting and, and I guess, quote, saves the kid, unquote. And the mom runs up to the kid and is like, oh, my God, you know, are you are you OK or whatever? And the way the kid the kids sort of like, no, mom, Gamera saved me. He's, yeah. You know, he's my friend. And all of a sudden, every one of the Gamera movies, th- this one scene is like unlocking like every Gamera movie. It's like, is this like a perverse like um, take on it where it's like 
this is what was happening the whole time, but we were just focusing on what, like, the one kid that would survive that attack, and, like, yeah. he's the friend of Gamera, and you have almost, like, what's that thing where, like, the terrorists fall in love with their protectors? Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah, we've got, like, almost a Stockholm Syndrome thing going on with yeah. this kid, <laughs> and, like, maybe that's what was going on the whole time in, the whole every, series. in every Gamera movie, yeah. you know, like, that's why the kids love him, I, you know, I I don't it think... took them, what, like 30 years yeah. to get this plot point like, yeah, through. Exactly. It's just like, now, they I don't all think, fucked up. Look, I don't think that's true, okay, what I just said, where the, all the Stockholm Syndrome stuff, but like, Kanko leaves it up to interpretation where you can be like, yeah, yeah. this kid's insane now, and like, he's gonna have this like, like, connection to this turtle. An uh, unholy uh, connection. Albeit sort of not like an actual psychic connection like Asagi, but sort of an emotional affinity for the turtle. Yeah. When Gamera just murdered how, countless thousands of yeah. people, <laughs> you know, fighting Gao. So it's like that is not really addressed in many, even Godzilla films. Like, you know, they talk about it in the first one, they talk about it in Hedora, yeah. and they talk about it a little bit in the, in the high side series, and in... Uh, GMK. Yeah. Which Kenko also directed. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, Kenko is absolutely concerned with, like, looking at, like, what is actually happening in these scenes, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that is, to me, the most interesting aspect of it. It's it's almost a postmodern kaiju movie where yeah. it's, like, it's not even, like, like, it seems like the thrust and the story of this film is not even concerned with the monsters fighting. It's just following the characters, mm-hmm. like and when because and, arguably, you know, Gamera fights uh, Iris at the end, which is this giant sort of mutant Gauss thing. It doesn't have wings per se. It has the aforementioned CG uh, tentacles because it's Japan. Got to get the tentacles oh, in yeah. there, uh, and so it, it it fights it fights uh, Iris. Um, and, and the culmination of that fight is at uh, Kyoto. Uh, it's actually in the Kyoto's uh, train station, which I've been to. And yeah. It's an amazing, amazing place. Um, but, like, you know, Gamera gets its arm pinned to the wall or whatever. And that's when we learn that the movie 127 Hours was actually a ripoff of this film because Gamera does the smart thing and blows off his own arm. Self-amputates. To, like, kill Legion. At the same time, rescuing a girl that hates Gamera uh, from Iris's, like, inner bowels because she is just so filled with, like, hate. There might be some kind of, like, Buddhist connection to this. I I can't say, but in, like, uh, certain aspects of Zen Buddhism and in Japanese horror uh, novels, there's this idea that you haven't let go of something and your inability to let go of, like, hatred or, you know, uh, something earthly and petty... Uh, is, like, turning you into something horrible, a demon right? some sort. So, like, her inability to get over, like, her parents' death, right. to maybe forgive Gamera or whatever, has, like, kind of merged her with Iris. Yeah. And she has, like, a moment where she's inside Iris, like, deep within his bowels, and, like, has to, like, think right. of, like, the bigger picture. It reminded me of the end of Akira. Yes. When, uh, yes. <laughs> when Canada goes inside the mutant aberration that, that Tetsuo has, has turned baby. into. <laughs> yeah, the mutant baby, the anti-star child or whatever you want to call it. 
And I thought that was like, you know, if they ever did make a live action version of Akira, this is might be what that part sort of looks like on a budget. But um yeah, the uh so like, I thought that was a little weird at the end of of Revenge of Iris where like so Gamera blows off his own arm and so he's just got like a, one arm and then sort of like a, a stump arm. Yeah. And then what the fuck happens there at the end? So Iris like shoots that thing and does Gamera like catch it on his stump and then like redirects it back into Iris's gut? I think that's what he did. I think that's he used weird. a stump. That, yeah, that's clumsy. <laughs> that's I'm yeah. sorry cuz that's you know it is sort of a short fight. Yeah. With Gamera and, and Iris. As much as they've been building it up. Yeah. This, the last, you know, Revenge of Iris is 107 minutes long. It's yeah. the longest by an extra 10 minutes. And that 10 minutes is all character stuff. Yeah. Um. So, like, you know, the the fight between and I Gamera think, and Iris is pretty short. I, I think this movie suffers from maybe too much character. Right. Like, uh, and I've said this a billion times, you know, the the monsters need to be as equally interesting as the people. And in this case, the people, a little bit too interesting. Yeah. We're too invested in the people, and we spend way too little time with the monsters. They're almost in the background. I, I think what yeah. happened was Kenko was, was, like, showered with so much praise... Mm-hmm. For uh, for Attack of Legion, that he was just like, oh, well, I can yeah. do anything now. Yeah. So like, this is the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. And don't you know, it's still a good movie. Yeah. You know, and still better than Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. But like, <laughs> much better. <laughs> much better. Uh, but like, and more entertaining, and and the, the the destruction is 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 pretty spectacular, and the budget is obviously way higher than a lot of those films, and and more engaging. But, like, the fight's a little bit too brief at the end. I feel like Iris... There's, like, Iris never gets a chance as a monster to just cut loose and, like, really, like, do a lot of destruction. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, it, it sort of does. Yeah. But not, like, in the full-on, oh, shit, we, we need to stop this We thing. spend too much time uh, watching him evolve like, like a Pokemon. I mean, yeah, he yeah, looks yeah. like a... <sighs> I should have looked this up. He looks like a Pokemon from, like, the second generation series. He's got, yeah. like, the shell and, like, many arms and a head, but no mouth. He, like, sucks things through his tentacles. And then he evolves into, I guess, a more, uh, I guess, what, what Pokemon? I, I don't know, Mewtwo-like yeah. stage. Mute, Mute, one of those bigger, bigger beasts or, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe that Pokemon from, like, Pearl or whatever. I don't know what it's called. It's just, like, big and white and... It's got, like, things on its arm. Anyways, so, like, that that's kind of its whole look. We spend so much time, like, watching it evolve and do Pokemon-like things, but it's evil and it kills people. Um, Slaughters the whole village of yeah. people who are supposed to make sure it never got hatched. Yeah. Uh, so it's really their own fault. Yeah. Very lazy uh, with the security precautions. And then, oh, there's also, like, a subplot with, like, uh, well, not a subplot, but, like, there's this, like, medium who's, like, close to the government. She predicts the future. She's very powerful. And she has a sidekick who is, like, a pretty, I mean, he, he, he sets the gay rights movement back a good, you know, 40 years. Uh, you know, just the <laughs> evil, flamboyant, you know, gay man. Uh, I mean, yeah, just... You know, he's 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 never technically confirmed for gay, but he's definitely extraordinarily effeminate. Yes, and, and thusly implied. evil. You know, uh, <laughs> which is just, I, a huge, 
you know, step backwards in LGBT, um, you know, progress for the Gamma series, especially because yeah. it, even right there, 1966's Gamma versus Barugan. Yeah. Uh, Barugan could shoot rainbows out of them yeah. as a weapon. So, like, you know, that's taking. And this is pre Stonewall. Exactly. So, like, you know. Um, but, anyways, yeah, he gets a thing. Uh, a piece of the ceiling of the train station dropped on him. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's got to die. You know? he, he dies. I, I guess they couldn't dies. show this film in, like, Malaysia and if he didn't die. And, you know, that, that Malaysian market is huge. You know, if we don't, if we, if you, you we lose Malaysia, then we might as well not make movies anymore. You gotta get it. So, yeah, he dies and the medium gets shit dropped on her, too. Everyone, all the, all the non-essential characters get killed when... Gamera and Iris are fighting in the Kyoto uh, train station. They just get convenient pieces of debris dropped on them. And and then, like, after there's, like, that spectacular finish, like, the the head, like, general gets a phone call from a guy called the director. I thought it was, like, a break the fourth wall moment where, like, actually, like, uh, Kanko was, like, calling into the movie and telling them that they're doing a great job or some shit like that. But no, that wasn't the case. Uh, Apparently, like, the China and Russia and the United States have confirmed that uh, legions of Giaos right. are now converging On onto Japan. Japan. And, and that- th- like, yeah, and, and Gamera kind of goes off to fight them. And they bring the girl who's controlling Iris back to life. And, like, because she's like, the you know, Gamera rips her out of uh, Iris's guts. Yeah. And uh, plops her down on the <laughs> on the uh, you know uh, the the loading platform there at the train station, and uh, they do some CPR, vigorous chest massages uh, on her, and uh, bring her back to life. Yeah. And um, she should have died. She should have definitely died. I don't know, like she should have been inside Iris, and Gamma should have like blown up iris and she like because she is absolutely responsible for everyone that iris killed which is like thousands and thousands of people and like she's gonna have to live with this now because you can't arrest someone and you can't convict there's no charge of like first degree aggravated murder through via monstering you know but maybe that's the point maybe the point of this because you know the whole thing was that she was mad at gamera because he like kills like everything like he sneezes on uh so like maybe the whole thing is like we all have blood on our hands that's the lesson right uh (laughs) lots and lots of blood lots and lots of blood (laughs) um so yeah and then gamera Gamera goes off to fight the legions of uh, of Gios that they they say are going, and you see us like a shot of like thousands of these Gios, and it looks like if they're the same size as the Gios from like the first movie, Gamera's going to die. Yeah. And like I think this is going to be the end of the world. I mean, this is very dark, and and they don't even show Gamera engaging with those enemies. He's just like he's at the end. He's like walking off. Yeah. To like go fight them or whatever, and it's Bum like dee-dum. it's like that's that's sort of the climax of this story, I guess. But they don't really they go back to our our characters, 
Um, who are having like a nostalgia moment about you know love, honor, and yeah. you know, friendship and the power stuff. That you know, turns kind yeah, of Pokemon. Yeah. So like, uh, <laughs> that's what I mean when I'm saying like this film is almost like it's not even following the monsters anymore. Because like yeah. if it was, it would follow Gamera yeah. and show him fighting the Gauss. But like, and like the only time you can, the only time they've really made a good kaiju film where you follow the people more than the monster was uh, actually no, there were two. There's the original Godzilla. And there was uh, uh, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. That's where you yeah. follow the people way more than the monster. But oh. in both cases, like, it evened out. Like, it was well worth the the payoff was well, there. Yeah. Also, the movie Monsters. Gareth Evans' uh, first movie, Monsters. That's essentially the premise of that movie. Where mm. it takes this and extrapolates it even further. Where mm. the monsters are really only in it for, like, 14 seconds. Yeah. Um, so like, but yeah, this is sort of, um, you know, it's, it's still a good movie. It's not as good as, uh, as, uh, Legion though. Legion's just fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the Empire Strikes Back of the Gamma series. It takes, you know, what you thought was, you know, already incredible and turns that to 11. Yeah. It takes that to 11. And, uh, Iris is not really the... Turn of the Jedi of the series. It's just it's kind more of, of like the... the Revenge of the Iris. <laughs> um, so I would highly recommend these three movies. And what I recommend is that uh, our listeners uh, go to your latest or your, you know, at your earliest convenience, purchase the uh, the Gamera Legacy uh, Collection, which is it has all eleven films from uh, nineteen sixty five through. 1999. Uh, there was another Gamera film that came out after this in, in 2006, I believe, is when it was released. Yeah. Um, I was actually in Japan while they were making it. Um, but it's more of a step backwards. It's more of a, you know, Let's whatever. Let's make Gamera cute again. Yeah, make them cute again. It's not quite as cool. Um, it's still fun. Look, all these movies are fun, but like, you know, these three that we've been talking, spending so much time on are actually legitimately good. The other ones are more sort of like drinking game fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, so yeah, uh, that has all 11 of those films uh, for like nine bucks or something. It's mm-hmm. definitely worth it. You know, I, I would buy a DVD set with like, or a Blu-ray set with these three movies alone for, mm-hmm. for nine bucks. I'd but buy for 11. like 20 bucks. But like for 11 plus 11 films for nine bucks, that's, that's a really good deal. Uh, and, and also because it has included in that collection Gamma Super Monster, which is so impossibly bad mm-hmm. that you really have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Um, and and you, it's like you're watching it's like, I cannot believe they released this as a film. Um, but anyways, yeah, it, it's sort of the, you know, that was the, the best or the worst right before the best. <laughs> um, but anyways... Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, <clears throat> uh, that kind of finishes out my thoughts on the on the Gamera Millennium trilogy. Uh, some uh, Nate, any anything to to add? Or I just wanted to do some quick um, housekeeping stuff here. You know, well, I guess I've uh, it's, it's a good series. You should watch it. Um, I guess I have a shout out to make uh, my. Uh, School friend Ryan Smallwood uh, did uh, now is uh, started a podcast called uh, They Podcast by Night, 
and I'm on episode two. Uh, we talk about uh, Hong Kong director Chong Che and his film The One-Armed Swordsman. So if you want to hear more of my trademark ums and ahas, uh, you should totally listen to that podcast. Uh, I'll be posting it on our Facebook page. Uh, Excellent. Any shout-outs for you, Mike? Yeah. Real quick, I wanted to say hello to uh, Yuki Ninomaya. It's a friend of mine. Uh, she actually lives in Japan, and she's visited the, the movie theater I work at a couple years in a row. Uh, she's associated with this uh, Japanese film festival we have going on at my theater uh, called Cinematsuri. And I was not paid uh, in any way to plug Cinematsuri, so this is all pro bono. Uh, but anyways, Yuki, she remembered me from last year. She went back to Japan, and she brought me this very, very nice uh, present, which was actually a... a uh, what they refer to as a promotional pamphlet from Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2 from 1993. And it's really what it is, is like a collectible magazine all about that film. And it's got a whole bunch of really awesome stuff in it. And it's really cool. And I, I promised her I'd say hello to her on this episode in, in my, uh, um, my appreciation for this very thoughtful gift. And uh, to that end, um, Yuki uh, Origato. Um, but I think that about wraps it up Um, again I'm Mike Kelly and uh, Nathan Bear my partner in crime here oh yes (laughs) oh my (laughs) Um, you have been listening to the Godzilla Pod War Hour Uh, we get increasingly we are obviously getting increasingly desperate for content (laughs) Uh, but uh, we're going to keep at it you know leaving no stone unturned except for a yog monster from space because it just looks like yeah, and Dogera, I think, is like a space loogie or something. Yeah, something I'm not like going to review those yeah. fucking movies. But um, Splooge in space. Yeah, they don't give a shit. But um, <laughs> you know, you can you can follow us on on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We've got a Tumblr deal that we will update eventually, yes. uh, sometime in 2015. Got to do it at least once a year. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Is, do people even tumble things anymore? Uh, <laughs> Have we, uh, is, is that website like not popular anymore to the point where people don't I even think know what it's Tumble. I, I think uh, Tumblr has stumbled. Yeah. I, I, okay. I so if you're interested in sort of a historical footnote of an old website, I guess, called Tumblr that people <laughs> used to have, uh, you know, you can check that out as well. Um, you know, make sure to look us up. We're on Podbean. Uh, we are distributed through uh, uh, iTunes for free. For free, so subscribe. R E E. Subscribe so you can listen to this every month. You know, for an hour or so. On your uh, way to work. Yeah. On your way to a wedding. Whatever you know, <laughs> paying your taxes. Whatever. Um, Making sweet, sweet love to that person you met at that club in that part of town. <laughs> at that Hess gas station. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, you know, subscribe, rate, review us, you know, and w- whatever. Interact and let's let's keep this thing – let's keep this thing going. Um, I guess we will talk to you next time. In Gamera's next film, he's going to be uh, fighting Fat Riker. Come it up! Come it up! Come it up! Come it up! Come it up!
Oh, oh, oh.